Hi, I'm Chanel, agency owner, marketing coach, speaker, and your official human sunshine. I've been in marketing since 2009 and have run a successful strategy and content marketing agency since 2018. Jaded by my corporate life, I quit my job to travel the world and start my own business. I've learned so much in my business journey and I want to share it with you. The Sunshine Podcast for Women in Business offers marketing advice for industry professionals and inspiring stories for women netting life and business. If you love the podcast, please subscribe and share with someone who would enjoy it too. But for now, sit back, relax and enjoy your daily dose of sunshine. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Sunshine Podcast for Women in Business. I'm your host, Chanel, and today I'm talking to Vicky. Vicky is the founder of Find My Van, a Tinder for caravans. From police officer to caravan connoisseur, Vicky had a commendable 19-year tenure in policing before launching her business when her adventurous side started calling. Welcome, Vicky. Thank you for being here today. Good morning. Thank you. That's a great intro. <laughs> well, it, it was straight from your website. So compliments compliments to you on that. <laughs> compliments to my copywriter. Compliments to your copywriter. Um, so Vicky and I met at the SA Woman Summit where she spoke more specifically about toxic um workplaces and 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 her experience and then she also spoke about how she um went on a, a journey and with the help of things like NLP found um passion which sparked her business and I just can't wait for her to talk us through uh that journey because it's such an interesting fascinating and really inspiring story so that's what Vicky is here to share with us today and I just have to mention that I um I have I'm really scared of police officers. I know we've spoken about this before, but I just think it's 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 awfully funny and a message that needs to be told that it's okay to be peace to be scared of police officers because it's part of their job, but also police officers are scared of police officers. You were saying something about how um even you as a peace officer are sometimes nervous of peace officers. Well, I think like it's part of our makeup, I think, especially when we're driving. Because, and even this even affects police officers, you've got police officers driving in their personal cars. When a police car rocks up behind them, of course, they're on high alert, just like you would be. Mm. So, and I, and I told you this story, but I'll just say it again quickly. Even one time when I was in a police car, I was driving like between towns, I worked remotely. And of course, you know, that local police officer who I didn't know rocked up behind me. And of course, I'm like, oh, I better watch my driving. I've got the local police behind me. And then I remembered I was actually in a police car myself. So, you know, it really does affect all of us when it comes to um, driving, especially. Well, it makes sense. And I know that you know the story already, but um, I've only been pulled over by the cops once. Um, and it wasn't because I was speeding or anything. It was just because I was driving a bit late at night on my way back home from rehearsals. And they were the lights were flickering and they were driving behind me. And then I said, oh God, they're, they're trying to get somewhere. There must be, must be a burglary. What's afoot? And moved into the next lane. And then they, they moved over to the next lane. And then I went, oh, oh, sorry, sorry. And moved over to the next lane. And they moved over to the next lane. And it took me like, they must have thought, oh God, we're going on a high speed chase with this Honda Jazz. Because um, eventually I thought, oh, maybe, they, maybe they're following me. And then just pulled over. Um, 
<clears throat> and was breathalyzed and thankfully it was all good but it was terrifying I was so anxious I was so awfully anxious um but anyway so I thought I think that that's that that, that it's rather funny but um but police police officers are lovely people case in point yeah, yeah. and and look they're the first people you call when you you're in trouble and you know you've got issues and you need help so yeah they're definitely very approachable and thank god for police well yeah they're, they're the they're the good they're the good guys the good people um anyway enough about the police force let's talk about you um i would love for you to share with our listeners your journey in in its entirety from how you went from the police force in the UK to owning Find My Van in Australia. So, Mike, over to you to share that story. Well, I guess um, the best place to start is at the beginning. And going back to my early life, just because it's important to uh, see where I come from, I guess it'll all make sense. My, um, I was one of four kids, and by the time my parents were 22, they had three of us. And um, without, you know, putting too, too fine a point on it, my parents at that age, any parents at age 22 who have got three kids, they, they're not, you know, they weren't emotionally mature. So mm-hmm. we were brought up, honestly, um, our family was a loving family, but it was absolute chaos as well. We obviously didn't have, you know, much money. My parents didn't go to uni or anything like that. You know, they were, they always worked, but they were always looking for work as well and in between jobs and things. So it was a very, very stressful, difficult childhood. And um, it just taught me to learn to read body language very at a very young age. I would say... Um, I didn't know this at the time, but looking back, I had a very high emotional cue and I still have. Mm. And I guess, you know, being brought up in that environment taught me fight or flight and probably gave me the foundations which led me to a career in social work and working, you know, with vulnerable families. I worked in uh, Dorset Social Services in the UK and... Yeah, I did about seven years with them, working with vulnerable families um, and especially women and children. And that led me to join in Dorset Police, which um, was brilliant. You know, I could read body language already, which obviously is a great skill of that a police officer has. I learned, you know, lots and lots of interview techniques. I I was trained in some of the best interviewing techniques in the world, actually, because of the jobs that I did. Um, again, I ended up working with vulnerable women. I did a lot of work around, uh, we, we I worked in the red light district. So I did a lot of work around prostitution. Um, that led me on to working in the public protection unit, which, You know, there was a lot of work there, again, around women and um, offences like rape, child abuse investigation offences. All of it, all of my part of my job description was interviewing. I was um, an evidence gatherer and produced interviews for court. So, yeah, it was um, it was it just kind of it was just stepping stones. When I look back now, it's very obvious how my life was going to go. But yeah, this um, 
one day we I was sat at um, Schiphol Airport in Holland. I'd flown over there. Sadly, my brother had died a few years earlier. He drowned out in the um, slightly off topic. He drowned out in the Caribbean. He was a diver. Oh, and um, yeah, look, it was it it's, it was seventeen years ago now, but it was it was awful. It was absolutely horrendous. A few years after he died, I flew over. The reason I flew to Holland was to get his ashes. His wife, he was married. His wife had moved on and she was ready to give his ashes back to my mum so so that we could scatter him. So my husband and I flew over. We got his ashes and were sat there in the airport. And friends of ours who were um, in the police in Australia said to us that the police were recruiting and we should apply. And Hubby and I, we'd never thought about moving to Australia. We obviously, like all pommies, watched Home Away Neighbours. So <laughs> we felt like Classic. we had a pretty good insight. <laughs> um, and anyway, we just decided, you know, we looked at these ashes. Life's just too short. We'd had other, you know, child deaths in the family. And although my brother wasn't a child, he was 35 when he died, it was, uh, it, it just seemed timely to, you know, to try something new, to take risks. And um, yeah, so that's what what led us to apply in. And look, at the time that we applied, we, uh, we did not know we'd definitely go through with it. But, you know, you go through all these phases and stages of your application process. You do a physical test, a mental agility, you, you know, you you pass all these tests. So when we were both offered jobs, we jumped at the chance. We've got three children and they were very excited and very keen for the move. And um, we had a very supportive family that supported us in taking the taking the leap of faith. Amazing. So that's how we ended up. That's so how we ended up moving. What um what were some of the biggest differences you noticed from living in the UK to living in Australia? Because I'm I'm from South Africa. There were some notable differences for me, but what were some of the biggest um differences or biggest adjustments? Well, first off, tongue in cheek, I was I sold all my coats in the UK or gave all my winter clothes away because I was told I was coming over to 365 days a year of glorious sunshine. <laughs> That was the first misunderstanding, shall we say. Um, and that they the don't weather. put shrimps on the barbie like we think they do. <laughs> no, it just, that's right. it just doesn't happen. But the beer is cold. <laughs> the beer, the beer is cold, and that is the that is the main thing. Any other big, um, big changes for you transitioning into living in Oz? Yeah, look, I think like. Obviously, you think policing is policing wherever you work. We um, transferred from our old police force to a police force in Australia, and it was just very different. We noticed lots of differences straight away, um, like like those psychosocial behaviours, you know, micromanaging, just um, being the, the behaviours, without going into too much detail about the behaviours, if anyone did want to look it up, they're well documented on Comcare and, you know, worth work health and safety and whatnot. Just micromanaging, excessive workloads, short staffed, managers stonewalling you, like, you know, you name it. I witnessed it or experienced it. So it was pretty tough in that sense. 
But to be quite fair, I was warned about that before I even applied and moved over here. I did know the mm -hmm. behaviour was going to be different. Um, and, you know, let's face it, I could have gone back at any point. We did take a career break in the UK. But we decided the lifestyle outweighed the negative experience in the workplace. And um, my husband and I built our life outside work. We had three children who were at the time aged um, 4, 11 and 15. And they quickly, you know, their birthdays were practically as soon as we arrived. So the youngest to school straight away. Um, three of them are very sporty. They all played, you know, hockey. My daughter played netball. I played netball and hockey. Um, Hobby and I both coached soccer and uh, we just filled our lives with activities outside work. We formed some great, um, great friendship groups, you know, so it made our lives, it outweighed what we were experiencing in the workplace, let's just say that. Um, yeah, so that's that's the transition part. Yeah, so so was that sort of environment um, and those sorts of is that is that was that the impetus for you starting Find My Van? Because obviously going from a police officer to now owning Find My Van, which is what we're going to talk about in just a moment, because I'd love to learn a little bit more about it. It was that a big um, was that the impetus for Find My Van? Did you sort of just go, look, I, I want to do something new. I want to do something different. Um, or did you notice a gap in the market when you um, when you started it? Look, I, I think there was a bit of everything. I I stayed in the police for nine and a half years here, so that's it an wasn't... awful long time. Gosh, I didn't know you were there that long. Yeah, that's that's almost a decade. Yeah, it is. And look, I had a great job. You know, I did. I had some great jobs, which I absolutely loved. Again, my jobs involved. Um, you know, working in the community, I was a youth justice slash community programs officer for five of those years, which were really good years. I was a family and domestic violence intervention officer as well for the rest of the years that I was there. And honestly, although some of the jobs were traumatic that I investigated, on the whole, I absolutely loved it. I loved working with women in the community. And, you know, it's been a job that I've done my whole career as I've been drawn towards helping vulnerable women and vulnerable youth. So, so you know, because I did actually enjoy the job and the, I guess the um, social infrastructure was in the police station and I, I left it there. I managed to leave it there and separate myself from a lot of it. By 2012, uh, uh, sorry, 2018, I was at my wit's end. So, you know, there was a number of years there before I decided to resign and start Find My Van. But what I did do there that kept me there a bit longer, I think, and enabled me to manage my workload and, you know, the workplace a lot better was NLP neuro-linguistic programming mm -hmm. so I completed um, a course in NLP it was a very intensive four-day life-changing course and I say life-changing but honestly at that point that I was in my life 
it, it more than changed my life. It saved my life. You know, I really was at the end of the road with everything that's going on. And even though I had a very supportive family, a very loving family, when, um, you know, there was a final nail in the coffin, if you like, I didn't give a shit about anyone else. I just wanted out and I didn't know which way to turn. And I, I think it's important to know that I wasn't depressed or anything like that. Nothing against anyone who does suffer with depression. I know it's a very difficult um, uh, illness to manage. I I just, I think where I was so resilient from, you know, all my upbringing and all my previous jobs and things, and you keep piling into your bucket and you, you know, because you're very resilient, you're very strong, until one day I just, my resilience just dissipated and I couldn't see a way out until I did this NLP course. It was like magic. It honestly saved my life. That's incredible. So, and, you know, the, the NLP, I haven't done it, but I've only heard amazing things about it. And I think I need to let go of my limiting beliefs about what it is and what it isn't and do it. Um, can you talk me through exactly what it is? Sure. So it is just that. So it, it removes those limiting beliefs. It's like where you re reset your computer, you reboot your computer or reset your phone. And, you know, electronically you're clearing out all the rubbish from your computer and your phone. And every few months you get a notification on your computer to reset it. Well, you never get that with your brain, do you? Unless you're diagnosed with some sort of um, illness, you never get to reset your brain. The pathways you've got are what you're brought up with and, you know, how you learn to be. And you can unlearn it all and learn healthier brain pathways. Not to say everyone's got unhealthy brain pathways, but I think to an extent, you know, we probably all have a little bit, especially, you know, people who um, never leave home or never leave the village they live in. And I'm not, I'm being very general there. I'm not saying you you know, people who stay stay in those places stay stuck by any stretch. But I think NLP just helps you to reset and reprogram your pathways and gives you different thought patterns. And I think that that is so, yeah, it, it, it's so important to do that because I believe it can be done. There was a, there's a diary of a CEO, which is Stephen Bartlett's podcast. I don't know if you've ever heard it. And I can't remember the woman that he interviewed, but she was saying the exact same thing, that it is possible um, to rewire those thought patterns with, within your head and redirect them. And um, it's, but it takes a lot of practice um, and a lot of um, time and patience because it's not like it's just going to, you know, happen overnight. Um so it, it does sound really, really fascinating. And I think for 2024, if not sooner, NLP is definitely something I'm going to I'm going to look into because it sounds um it does sound really, really beneficial. So it's amazing that, that was that was a big part of your of your shift. So then how did you get from going, all right, you know, I'm feeling <clears throat> like I've got more more clarity or more motivation to starting the business? Well, well, look, there was, a, there was a few more years before I even got to that, because when I went back to work after completing that NLP course, 
And like I said, it really was um, like magic. It felt instant. I mean, the days were long for four very long days. Um, but it, do you remember I spoke about the looking glass theory? Mm -hmm. a theory um, that was developed by Charles Halton Cooley back in the early 1900s. And he said, a person creates their self-image based on the responses of others. And you see, you know, you get to where I got to in the workplace and witnessing how people treated each other and even the way I was treated, I, I just didn't feel good enough, you know, and I think that's where NLP comes in, into its own, and teaches you, reprograms your mind that you are good enough. Mm. Those thought patterns that I was having previously just were not healthy, you know, and after I completed that course and went back into the workplace, I joined a new team when I went back in, but, you know, that it's all right learning all this new stuff. But if you're going back into a really unhealthy environment like I did, you feel like, yes, you've got a bounce in your step. Yes, you're the fresh piece of fruit in the fruit bowl. But all the other fruit is still rotten. Mm. So, you know, that that level of learning soon it doesn't last forever. You know, you have to look at your entire environment. You have to look at every area of your life to make it sustainable otherwise you end up back where I was where I was looking at myself again you know I was you know going back to that looking glass theory where I kept looking within for reasons why you know for other people's behavior which I should not have I should not have done but I did and you know the outcome of that was me deciding well first off I took some long service leave I um Hobby and I were in a position where we could take long service leave and we'd always been caravanners and we decided the 1978 like little Renault we had it was not suitable to live in for five months so we bought a new caravan and it was like hard you know living remote and flying back to the city to try and find a new caravan and get help from dealerships to try and find a caravan that we wanted and honestly my experience was that dealerships you know as good as they are and people have got loyalties to the dealerships that they've used for years I just did it. they just wanted to sell me essentially what they had on their forecourt rather than listen mm. to what I was looking for so I tried to find a caravan broker to guide me you know an expert to guide me and of course there weren't any in Australia so I ended up I, I ended up I bought bought the caravan anyway without any expert help and I, I ended up doing a lot of research and like learned a lot about caravans and weights and the industry and you know all of that and while I was on my trip I just thought do you know what if I go back to that environment what will have changed will will you know management and my colleagues will they have completed NLP no I'm going to be going back to that poor workplace culture and I'll be back at square one so I um I decided to resign and so was born find my van amazing I, I just I just love your story I think that your resilience is incredible and one question I always ask <clears throat> on this podcast incessantly is do you think that resilience is something that you learn or something that you are 
born with. Um, what is your personal opinion on that? Look, I, I think, you know, from in my personal opinion for me and where I came from, I definitely, I don't know if I was born with it. I think life circumstances helped me grow my resilience over time. But that's not to say that, you know, children who haven't had my upbringing haven't got any resilience if they haven't, you know, if they haven't suffered the hardship I have. I think, you know, it's horses for courses. It's individual. Um, whether you learn it, I don't know. I can only talk about where I've come from. I think my my childhood experience, my uh, choice of career has definitely um, helped me build my resilience over time. Obviously, you know, there's that, like, at least two times I've come on stock as an adult and thought, oh, Jesus Christ, I can't carry on, you know, especially in 2018. But, yeah. I don't know. Have I answered the question there? I'm not sure if well, I did. It's, it's a, it's sort of a, an open-ended question in a way because it's just an interesting thought to consider. Is it something you're born with, or was it something you've learned? And I, for many, many, and I ask this question almost on every single podcast because I just love the topic of conversation. Um, I always thought that it was something that you were born with, and I think every single person that I've asked that question to on this podcast has said no. It's something that you can learn. And it's actually completely changed my view on where resilience comes from. And I do believe that resilience comes from your set of circumstances or experiences that you go through that sort of polish the rock, as it were, um, to make you more resilient. Um, and, you know, I've also had hardships in my life and I, I wouldn't, as awful as some of them have been, I wouldn't change it because it's made me who I am today, which is far more multifaceted and interesting and far more resilient because of those things that I've gone through. Um, so it's it's really just like an interesting an interesting topic. Um, the the toxic work culture for someone who's listening to this that might be experiencing that. What would be your recommendations for getting out of it or addressing it or because um, that's hard, right? Like I've I've got loads of friends who work in places where their work culture is really icky and they just they they struggle to leave. Um, and it's hard because you can't force them to do that. But if someone's listening to this now that is really struggling in a in a in a work culture or workspace that's quite toxic, what would be your what sort of advice or words of wisdom to them? I think it is very hard to leave, especially when you're used to you know that income, the income stream. I, I mean me deciding to set up my own business I was lucky in the sense that my husband's still in the police we knew if we sold our house and moved into a rental we could manage on one wage you know we knew we could um set up this business and still manage on one wage so you know I'm very lucky in that respect and I completely understand how people can't just walk out on work when it's their livelihood and their income but you know um to weigh it weigh it up I think health and life is more important than work and you've got to put your health first otherwise you know you could get to the position that I was in back in 2018 where my life you know nearly came to an end and I say that really seriously because it it was really serious and even when I went on my long service trip 
although I wasn't suicidal at that point, I was still really, really low and I didn't care if I lived or died. And look, a couple of the things that I did, I was getting really bad uh, PTSD symptoms, nightmares and such like. When I was on my trip, I jumped in the sea with the whale sharks and... Um, you know, we did a trip, my husband and son, it was on their bucket list. It's never on mine. I've always been scared of the deep sea. I'm scared of seaweed. I'm scared if I can't, I love the sea when I can see the sand. Yes, <laughs> not, I, know, I, I, the totally, I totally get that. And I'm not a snorkeler or anything like that. But I thought, you know what, I don't really care if the shark eats me. So I hopped in and I did the swim and I had a revelation. It was incredible. It, You know, it was absolutely incredible. And then following that, I did a parachute jump. I jumped out of an aeroplane at 15,000 feet. And again, I wasn't suicidal, but I just, even though I'm scared of heights, I just didn't care if I you know lived or died and when I when I landed that jump honestly the oh, it was a tandem skydive and the strapping young man who I was strapped to shall we say <laughs> I, he must have thought I was mad because I you know I welled up at the bottom I started crying because I just thought oh my god I'm so glad to be alive and I'm not saying that that single-handed cured me but it was from that moment that I just had this passion to live. I couldn't go back to that environment, you know, and I, I just thought, right, get a grip, get on top, work out what you're going to do. And, you know, from that moment on is where I went forward. And that's not for everyone. We can't all go and jump out of an aeroplane and, you know, have life changing things happen to us. I think you, once you make the decision, it's very easy. And I think, though, like... I'm a, I love to travel um, and travel Wankarolo. I've traveled to 52 different countries and I can't imagine life any other way because I feel like travel and having those experiences gives you so much perspective on your own life or helps you see where you fit into a bigger picture in the world. But even if somebody isn't in a position to travel and have these life-changing experiences or moments or realizations, I think the key message is getting out of your comfort zone because if you can force yourself to get out of that comfort zone which will obviously feel uncomfortable you'd be amazed at what you open yourself up to when you do um easier said than done but I just feel like for myself I'm not comfortable unless I'm uncomfortable that's where all the good stuff happens but it's really hard to get to that point but if you can just take that first step towards the discomfort and embrace the discomfort um it's just amazing what doors what doors open um I went skydiving um, and I was in Hawaii and um, went to an Irish pub until five in the morning and literally got home from the pub, hopped in the car that took me to and went skydiving secretly half, half, half pissed, half sober, braless. I've got a photo of that. I might put it on my on my picture. It was I'm up on my uh, Instagram profile. Uh, so I didn't have any moments of revelation. I just had moments of madness on my <laughs> <laughs> on my jump but yes getting out of your comfort zone I think is um is really important that, that's what you what you did yeah. and I, I think sometimes when we're trying to get out of our comfort zone we feel pain you know you think you're broken well you're not you're growing you, you know you shouldn't be there and you've and to grow you're going to feel a bit of discomfort a little bit of pain 
and you know you have to take the leap life won't change unless you make the decision and making the decision is half the problem once you make that decision to change you know your whole life is ahead of you things do start happening and look I'm a bit of an oversharer during the time when I was trying to manage how terrible I was feeling like lots of women my age I've learned since I was drinking too much you know I was, I was on the wine every day wine o'clock got earlier and earlier and that's you know another reason I was able to manage it and bear it for as long as I did and it's not healthy at all it's so unhealthy you know why are you keeping your foot in the door keep going back there is your health just deteriorates and keeps deteriorating and I suppose you have to just stop and ask you know what's the alternative um you know I can either just stay here because maybe it is a bit easier but you know the alternative is if I stay here what what does that mean for my mental health what does it mean for my future what what opportunities am I missing out on um but it is it's a hard step to take and I think that you're and that's the main reason why I wanted you on the podcast is your story is just like a wonderful beacon of hope for people who are unhappy in their current situation or are um you know barely surviving in a toxic workplace and also for aspiring you know, business owners um, to know that there is a way out. And not only is there a way out, but there's, you know, lots of opportunities for you to start something that's new that you can have on your on your own terms. So um, I'd love to know what your biggest lessons have been in um, setting up and running your business. Oh, oh, there's been so many. Look, there's been heaps of lessons where I've thought, well, lawyers for a start, <laughs> And my tone dropped straight away. You know, I've been ripped off a few times by, you know, other business owners. And in particular, I went through a couple of lawyers to find the right one. Mm. I completed the Encore course, which is a business essay business course. And that was just brilliant. And because I'd already set my business up by the time I started that course, I, um, I probably... I'd made a lot of mistakes by then and had to redo a lot of things. So I think financially is a big lesson. Just get all your ducks in a row and get expert advice before you start setting up a business. And look, all of my lessons, I wouldn't have learnt without them, if you see what I mean. Of so course, I don't yeah. I don't regret any of them. And I've just co-founded my second business, um, sisterhood sisterhood rising which is an nlp training provider so Amazing. i'm not an nlp master myself but my partner is an nlp master and a psychotherapist she's been practicing for 20 years or so so yeah we um we've got actually you know we've got a free nlp taster on friday we've got two sessions running on friday it's online and it's an introduction to our actual four-day event next year so sign so me sign you up it's Get on me some of that sweet sweet Robinson. nlp i've got to rewire my brain for 2024 yeah yeah absolutely amazing okay so where can people sign up for that so it's on we're on Facebook and Instagram. I've also shared it on LinkedIn. So um, there's a post there just um, advertising the fact that there's free a free taster. It's a 90 minute session on this Friday, the 8th. Oh, will this podcast be out by Friday, the 8th? I'm not sure. I'll we make sure it that. is. 
I work okay, well so under strict deadlines, so I'll make sure that it is. There you go. The pressure's on. So it's at 2 p.m. and at 4.30 p.m. Uh, Australia Central Standard Time. So that's us in the in Adelaide. And anyone can take part in, in the world, I guess. There are limited places available, but anyone first in, first served. Anyone can sign up, hop on, hop online on Zoom. Um, once you sign up, you'll be sent a link for the Zoom link. And it's going to be incredible. It will blow your mind honestly amazing that sounds awesome and how can people um find find my van and learn more about what you do and how you can help them where's the best platforms to get hold of you there so uh, we've got a website findmyvan.com.au we've also got facebook and instagram as well find amazing. my van beautiful vicky it's been such a pleasure talking to you today thank you so much for um your time and your vulnerability and sharing your story it really is such an inspiring story so i'm so grateful that you made time to chat with me today chanel thank you so much i could talk to you all day it's been an absolute pleasure i hope you enjoyed this episode of the sunshine podcast for women in business if you did please leave us a review on apple podcasts and spotify you can also share this episode with a biz bestie who needs to hear it 